0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Starving Artist with L.J. Jones. I am L.J. Jones. Guest on the podcast is kind of a big one. Big one for me. Um, his name is Matthew McGee. He was uh, the person who gave me my first professional job as an actor. Um, we discussed so many amazing things. It was a great conversation. Uh, we discussed uh, basically his time in college. He received a uh, bachelor's in musical theater as well as uh uh, theater administration we talk about uh where various jobs he ended up working after college talk about our time together at the show palace dinner theater in hudson uh we talk about his current position at free fall theater we talk about all the community uh, outreach work that he does and all the all the charities that he uh helps raise money for uh and we also talk about um the drag queen story hour that he recently did a few months ago uh, that was met with quite a bit of protesters. And we talk about how he handled that. It's a really engaging uh, conversation. It was great to reconnect with an old friend of mine and and to talk about his journey. Um, I left this episode feeling encouraged myself. So I hope, I hope, excuse me, I hope that you guys feel the same. And uh, without further ado, Matthew McGee
1: everybody's aiming for the top trying to make it before time
2: is up. we stay up on the grind all day, nonstop, stop, mr Matthew mcgee how are you
3: i'm doing well great to see you it's been a long time
2: it has it's been it's been a couple years and, and even then i only saw you one day and that's years right. before that that's right so, but we uh,
3: always keep in touch and follow yeah. each other on our social media as everyone does these absolutely. days. absolutely
2: Absolutely. And I, I'm grateful that you've stayed in my, my life all these years. Absolutely. And, um, and, uh, it's, it's so good that it's good, so good to be face to face. Especially sure. like in the, these unprecedented times.
3: Absolutely.
2: Um, so, uh, I'll say quickly, you know, Matt gave me my first, my first professional job as an actor. Uh, and so I feel like I'm definitely forever indebted to Matt. Um, anything you, you, you'd ever need, I'll be there. Um, but, uh, so I, I wanted to have you on the podcast to just talk about your journey as a, as a performer. Um, and, and I mean, you do more than perform. You direct, you write, uh, you're, you're a drag performer. You, 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 uh, you're the community outreach and marketing director at Free Fall Theater in St. Pete. Um, you, you do a lot. You said you're one of the most busy people I know.
3: Yes. The the hardest working Man and woman in show business somewhere
2: <laughs> I love it <laughs> and you, you've won you've won a ton of awards for everything that you've done um, so let, let's let's just let's just start it, start back in the beginning. Where are you from, and could you tell me about what the the defining moment um, of your life was that that made you decide I want to perform, I want to be involved in show business
3: sure, absolutely. Um, I was born in Augusta, Georgia. Um, which is uh, if you think about the area, there's kind of, in that particular area, you're looking, it's getting close to South Carolina by that point. Uh, okay. and, and and Augusta's really well known for the masters, of course, the golf tournament. Mm-hmm. And it's the, also the birthplace of James Brown. I think, I think that's right. Really? Uh, yeah. Course. And um, I was born there. And, uh, and then my mother, uh, we lived in Atlanta And we Mm -hmm. lived in Athens when my mother went back to school. And um, we ultimately lived from, I think, I moved around a lot as a young kid. And then from like 11 to uh, when I went away to college, I lived in a town called Washington, Georgia, which is very well known for um, its historic southern homes. Okay. Um, (laughs) Because apparently the lore behind that whole town is that when Sherman marched through Georgia and marched through Atlanta during the civil war, he burned a lot of the homes um, and he missed Washington, which is very easy for anybody to miss Washington. <laughs> you can even do it today yeah. But because um, it's a tiny little town, but he missed <laughs> Washington. So all of those homes are intact. So a big part of their business is for people to be able to come from all over the world and check out those old fashioned refurbished Southern homes.
2: It's it's well, kind see, of, Interesting. Oh, for sure. Now I want to go to, uh, to Washington. I want to see It's really
3: neat. It's a, it's a small, quaint right. town, and um, I think um, it's really charming and known for its history. And, and of course, it being the South, it's known for a lot of other things that are not <laughs> perfect. Right. But, um, but it does have this great um, tourism uh, part of, of, of the town that um, is really big for them and I think it drives their economy in a way. Um, and then, um, I of course we were talking about. I went to Valdosta State University. You yeah. know, when I was growing up, I went through a period of where I would, I would perform when I was a kid, a small child, and a kid, mm-hmm. and up and up until about uh, seven or eight, I began to feel like it. It zeroed me out in a way that wasn't positive. I think I was getting a little okay. picked on. For, gotcha. for performing and being in theater. And I decided I would go more towards visual art. And I left it behind until until a little bit after puberty when I thought, ah, forget it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. wanted to get back into it. Right. The first real palpable moment for me that I wanted to be on stage did not come from really doing any theater or, or anything like that. I remember watching um, television variety series like Carol Burnett, the mm-hmm. Sonny and Cher show yeah. where they did skits and they did mm-hmm. musical numbers. And I thought, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I really want to do that, you know, yeah. or something like that. So, um, that really drove me even more than theater. I feel like even as a young actor, I didn't know enough about theater. Even when mm-hmm. I started, um, my college years at Waldasta State University, I didn't feel like I was well versed enough in what I needed to do. I was very green and, very unpracticed. I'd only done a little bit of community theater here and there, but in my head, I knew I had this persona that I wanted to present. So I sort of worked hard to figure out who that was and what it should be. And I think a big moment for me in college was suddenly able, I suddenly realized I could get laughs and mm-hmm. that I knew sort of the mechanics behind comedy, that it wasn't something that I, um, that I had to say, okay, if I do A, B, and C, this'll be funny. I just sort of knew how to do it, and yeah. knew how to shape a line, or how to do a, cor- you know, to do a correct mm-hmm. bit of staging in a way that I knew it would be humorous. And that's when I started to really understand that there's, there is some natural ability at that. So I thought, mm-hmm. you know what I'll do? I'll take that and I'll hone it and I'll yep. work on it all through college. And I and I really found myself to have a successful college life because I knew what my type was. I mm-hmm. knew what I did. I knew what I was. I knew what part to go out for, even if it wasn't the part that everyone wanted. Yep. I knew I was a comedic character actor and I knew exactly what to do. And I found myself just like now busy all the time. I also yep. decided that I would do, uh, I got a BFA in theater performance, but I also have a, um, I, I also had an emphasis in theater management, which okay. as we talk more yeah. will start to make sense because yeah. okay. I knew I wanted to be a part of the business side of it. And that's helped me a lot too throughout my life mm-hmm. to be able to have sort of a, a performing life and an administrative life that kind of yeah. keeps me, Able to make a living in a business that's really hard, as you know well. Yeah,
2: yeah, see, I feel like I've had a lot of conversations with various different people who have different opinions on going to college for um, for performance, whether that sure. be film and television, theater, whatever it may be. Um, so, in, in your experience, as somebody who has went to to school for performance as well as administration, um, what do you what did you take from it? Do you think it it has been beneficial for your your career post college?
3: I will say this. Um, in 1994, it was kind of the only thing yeah. that I knew I should do. I think mm-hmm. times have changed. I okay. think, look what we're doing right now. Uh, um, look how we're able to to communicate with each other. Um, look at the way we're able to put ourselves out there online in a way that we were never able to do when I was, you know, a, a young up and coming performer. The only option was to be on stage because that's the only way, You could do anything, we couldn't even, LJ, we didn't even film it that much back then. So you didn't even have your work on a reel.
1: Mm, And so
3: now I think it's very different. If I could say the one benefit is, I went to a school that wasn't my first choice. I I auditioned uh, at, at, at New York University and I made it into the program, not the musical theater, but the acting program but my parents were not able to afford that. It's a it's gotcha. very expensive out of state oh, yeah. school. And though my parents are both, you know, very, one, my dad's a veterinarian, my mother's a teacher, they were work, mm. working professionals, but it was just yeah. a lot to come up with. And I didn't have the grades to really, mm. I, I did okay. But yeah. I wasn't interested in school. I was wanting to mm. do other things. Yeah. So <laughs> I went to the school and I think the best thing that came out of it was the ability to be on stage and perform more than just study and talk about it. Cause they did a whole season of shows plus a mm-hmm. summer stock in the summer yeah, where yeah. I got to get so much experience, but also in my professional life, having a bachelor of fine arts has mm-hmm. helped me to secure other employment during times when I needed it. Does that make any sense? Right. I'm sure. It does. Oh yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so, so after, after college, we've already discussed, you stay busy. You've Mm -hmm. always, I've known you 12 years now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you've always been nonstop. Um, So, so could you give uh, our, 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 our listening audience a a quick rundown of all the different hats you've worn over the the years since college?
3: You know, right out of college, I did a summer stock job. um, And then I went right into a touring, a a theater, a children's theater tour okay. in Atlanta, Georgia, through a, a, an HMO. there called Kaiser Permanente, and they had this mm-hmm. really cute show called Professor Bodywise and His Traveling Menagerie. And there was puppetry, and the kids loved it. I mean, yeah. we were waking up at three and four in the morning to get set up and go do the show. Mm-hmm. It was an exhausting time. I'm I was sure. in I was in Atlanta for a while, and I wasn't finding that I was making many inroads in their community. Mm-hmm. I would go to auditions. But I also realized that at the time I came out of school, the, the years for me to be a successful actor, LJ, this is hard to believe and it's crazy to even think of right now because what did I do in the meantime? But that mm-hmm. I'll explain. Yeah. This right now mm-hmm. in my mid to late 40s is my time yeah. for, for, for acting.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
3: and so during that time, what was I going to do? So I moved to New York for a little bit. I moved to New York in October of two, no, in August of 2001. Wow. So I was in New York for September 11th. Yeah. This kid wow. from the South, from yeah. a small town and a medium sized college and mm-hmm. in a small town, South Georgia, only having lived in the metro area of Atlanta for maybe a year in Atlanta is very different. It's a lot like Florida, mm-hmm. it's spread out. I was like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? And it, I was yeah. scared. And I, oh, I um, as soon as I was able to get a job out of town, I took it
2: and Man. I worked
3: in uh, Illinois and Chicago for a little while doing some dinner theater, doing some regular theater, um, doing, and, and I began, that was my first big dinner theater job, which was mm. fun. Right. I was at oh, yeah. a place called Circa 21 dinner playhouse. It's <laughs> funny because dinner theater always is, is to many people, someplace you don't want to end up. And so mm. it was where I started. Yeah, And um, I worked regionally for a couple of years, living out of a suitcase. When I wasn't working, I'd go home, visit my folks, and then I'd get back on the road. I had a little Geo Metro and a couple <laughs> of suitcases. And then um, I got a job through uh, audition for show, at Show Palace Dinner Theater. I did a mm-hmm. show called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. Okay. And for many yeah. years, I would go back and forth there working regionally as an actor. Mm-hmm. I did a, a tour of, uh, of a show called Nuncrackers, which is nonsense. It's Dan Goggins, so it was a, yeah. a lot of fun. So I stayed extraordinarily busy working regionally, doing a little bit of New York here and there, mostly mm-hmm. readings and a, a very short run off-Broadway in a show called Blessing in Disguise um, about, about drag queens. Uh, <laughs> And drag was not something I really wanted to do. It never crossed Mm -hmm. my mind until I saw the way people reacted to it. And I thought, man, people really like this. As opposed Mm -hmm. to fighting it off, I said, I'll put it in my back pocket. Mm -hmm. And then um, after many years of working at Show Palace, they uh, needed an artistic director. And they came to me and said, do you know of anybody? And I didn't offhand. And I said, let me do the job for a little while. Mm And I'll help you find somebody because I like this company and I like Florida. Yeah. And um, and it was close to Orlando and I'd got some work at Disney too. And I, I found yeah. myself cult, cultivating a, a living in this area. And I thought, okay, yeah. I can make this work. Um, and then I was there for like almost a decade after that, <laughs> uh, uh, which was – which was really a great blessing. And and in some ways, uh, I don't want to say curse, that's such a strong word, but Mm -hmm. there were pros and cons to being there. I felt like I left a lot of my career, my regional career, whatever New York career I was trying to have, Mm -hmm. I left that that to be in Florida full time, working at this dinner theater. But I can't tell you how many people got their start at that theater when I was working there, how many great friends I was able to keep employed, how I was able to make a living for myself yeah. um, to be able to do shows. Like when I cast you, I mean, the fact that I was able to get full Monty produced at the show palace, yeah. all of that was so exciting. So I take that time um, and I, and I put it away in a little box and I see it as a real positive time and mostly for the people that I came into
2: contact. With. Yeah. So a lot of wonderful people there. I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I took my son to see uh, Shrek this past, yes. This past summer yes um, and that was his first his first time uh, seeing theater in, in life. Great. And uh, yeah. we, uh, we, were, we, we I got right up on the stage, you know, the the, the table right, right up right on the stage. Right
3: close, yep, yep, And yep. My,
2: my son, my, I have a picture. I'll have to, I posted it. I don't know if you saw it. I'll have to send it to you. But yeah. I have a picture of my son. While, while the show's going on, I was trying to get him to not touch the stage. But I kept finding him going like this.
3: Of course. Just of he course. was like,
2: he was amazed. He, He's he got the bug. Oh, yeah. when we left, he said, "He said, Daddy, can can I learn how to sing and dance and, and act? I said, of course you can. Of course. Um, so just but,
3: like your dad was so supportive yeah. of you during that time, too. Absolutely. And that was a big part of me wanting to use you for Full Monty, is I knew that your dad would be around. I knew that your mm-hmm. dad did everything he could to, to support you. And I knew that yeah. you would be um, – reliable. I knew you wanted it and I knew he wanted to make sure it happened for you. And I think you, I thought you had the talent. I thought you had the look very hard to cast that role. You need someone preteenish.
1: Yes. And
3: when I cast you, you were a little bit younger and a little bit smaller by the time that we got to the show, which was perfect. That's exactly what it needed to be. Um, And it just all worked out the way it, it was supposed to. And you know, that's a lot of people's, one of their, favorite shows at show it was really a good time and it had a wonderful cast
2: i remember i remember the audition i don't know i don't remember a lot from around that age but probably just because it was such a monumental uh, experience for me but i remember i was the the first kid to audition for the full monty and i remember um i don't remember who all was in the room i know you were there Todd Eskin yes. was. Yes. Probably Susan Haddleman was there, right? Maybe I, I Susan, imagine.
3: maybe, or in Katie Kerwin, maybe too, yeah, I yeah. think. Or um, And maybe. probably
2: Andy because she choreographed Yes, the show, right? Andy
3: um, definitely would have been there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um I remember I, I I did the audition. Uh it was the it was the Nathan's final scene in the full Monty uh during Let It Go. Um, and and I remember finishing the audition and and Todd asking to talk to me and my father um to the side we ended up going into the kitchen there at the yeah. shop house. Of course. And uh and he said, Of course we have to continue auditioning people, but essentially the role is yours if, yeah. if you want it. Um he did, you know, uh he did inform us, you know, my dad is is he's not he, he wasn't very familiar with much theater, still yeah. isn't, but um he wasn't really aware of what the show uh, show was or anything like that. So <laughs> Todd kinda uh, broke down the show a little bit and said it is it is uh r-rated it's yes. they're swearing they're, they're stripping there's this and that um and uh and and essentially you know i heard shortly thereafter maybe a day or two after that i i, I had officially booked yeah and um and i and i i just it, honestly probably the, the 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 best professional experience of my life that's, um, so, that's wonderful and it was it was it was uh I just always look back fondly. I wish we had tape of it. I would love to. I would love to see it.
3: You know, I'm going to look around. Let me look around okay. because you know, when I left there in 2012, I think, mm. um, and, and that wasn't that wasn't a great process. The way all that happened, I yeah. was, I, you know, um, but but you know, not one that I, I take that I feel negatively about now because I think yeah. it opened up a lot of new things for me. I would have probably stayed there as long as I could have because I was happy doing it, but it it gave me a bit of a kick in the pants to do new and more exciting things. But um, I wasn't able to get a lot of the, um, the great stuff that, you know, a lot of the um, documentation of all the stuff we did, you know, like videos and stuff, but I might have full Monty somewhere. And if I do, um, I, yeah. I'll, I'll mail it to you, you know, just send yeah. me your address cause it'll be on a disc. So you'll have to yeah. find a way to make that work. Yeah. I don't have anything that takes discs anymore. <laughs> you, know, you could definitely yeah. figure, uh, yeah. figure that out. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a great experience and I was super busy during that time. I think I was mm-hmm. doing another show at the time. So I was running back and forth and,
2: yep.
3: um, and it came together so beautifully
2: mm-hmm. That cast that you put together was just electric.
3: I thought so too. I thought so from, from everybody. Every single person was exactly right. And um, it looked really beautiful. Tom Hansen did a gorgeous job. I thought the music was solid. Uh, Larry Buzio, of of course, who played your dad, who, who, of course, you have this great relationship, even still. Um, it, 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 it really sparked a lot of that for many people. And, so I think a show like that about camaraderie mm-hmm. uh, can bring that out in people. And, you know, I thought about this, you know, Terrence McNally, who recently, yeah. the playwright, who recently passed away yeah. from, from coronavirus, of all things, he, um, he wrote the book to that musical. Yeah. And the heart in that play is all about family. And it's not about, it, it's about, yes, of course, Jerry and, and his son are about the family that yeah. you have, but this is about the family you choose and the family mm-hmm. that you can kind of create. And I think that's why it was such a warm experience because yeah. it's a play about people from all walks of life joining together and doing yeah. something really awesome and it's learning about st- each other. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's such a beautiful story. I remember, uh, uh, I mean, even to this day, when when when, when I talk about it and, and somebody will ask me, well, what was it about? And you, you, you give the explanation and people are like, oh, that's an interesting I did yeah. for a musical, but the heart behind it is just, is, is amazing. And I, I remember uh, a couple different experiences that, that kind of stick out to me was, uh, was the one, I don't know if you were there, because we, we had probably been in production for maybe three weeks at the time. Right, uh, right, right. So we had only been, I think we were at at Man. I think Man was, was, was being performed.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, big, big number. Yeah, yeah.
2: And, and somebody in Right, we're right exactly where, where I was sitting with my son for Shrek. Somebody was hammered, drunk. Um, so, man takes what it, 15 minutes into the show, 20 minutes maybe. Yeah, yeah, um, And somebody's hammered, drunk. Uh, so, it actually had to be pre-man because uh, I was uh, I was on stage, and when I had come off, so yeah, it was right around there. Um, somebody, it was just me and Larry on stage, and um, and this woman in the front row. Is screaming, take it off, take it off! Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you remember that? I've yeah, like heard, that?
3: I heard all about that. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: She was escorted out. Uh, of but, course. Uh, that I, I just remember, and, and 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 that's a challenge too. Uh, you know, especially as an eleven year old, I'm like, oh, I can't break. Oh, but yeah, what do I do? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. But no, like I, I you know I, I I I think even though I was young, uh, I. I I hope I wasn't too annoying to people uh, but oh, uh, no
3: no no think, never,
2: never thank you uh, you were a very not.
3: polite quiet young man until you got up there and performed you know you were mm-hmm. very unassuming very polite very intelligent and you kept you 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 and your dad I mean you you made good friendships especially yeah. during the run because you know mm-hmm. rehearsal is this crazy time where you're mm-hmm. getting you're getting hit with all this stuff and in the run you show up every day you see these people every day. Yeah. Um, I always found you to be um, quite a good kid. And I felt like that was more important than anything to the success of the of the production. I've always Mm -hmm. believed that you do your best to bring people together who are um, good people. Right. Because because yeah. what's the other option? That's an mm. unpleasant situation for everyone. So
2: for
3: sure. we're very lucky that every now and then, and it's 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 more the exception to the rule mm. that um everyone really enjoyed each other and and you were a kid that didn't mm. annoy everybody. Sometimes <laughs> there's all these horror stories about yes. what did they say? Never work with kids or animals. Yes. And um and you really bucked that uh that old saying because you were just terrific.
2: I appreciate that. I really do. And 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 you know putting uh larry and i together um still close to this day i i i wrote and directed my own movie i cast him to play my father yes that was my first time i've stayed in touch with him but that was my first time seeing him since the full money close. yeah 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 um and it was just kind of surreal to be on set with him seeing him face to face and just and honestly i wrote that role for him of course uh, and I and and he he uh, he wasn't sure if he could make it happen just with the distance and the, and the yeah. schedule, and 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 if he wasn't able to do it, the scene wasn't going to be in the movie. He's only in one scene. Um, but uh, I, I I have a line in there for him to say because my my character in the movie is an actor. Um, it's very it's not I wouldn't say it's a biopic, but you, sure you, I think you write from what you know. Your um,
3: personal elements of what you bring to yeah. your art, absolutely.
2: And so I, I wrote his character to be a mix of my real father yeah. and a mix of Jerry, really. Yeah. Um, and uh, and there's a line in it where basically he, he's telling me to, you know, you got a family, you gotta you gotta figure this out. Acting's not working, so give it up. And um, he has a line where he's like, if I was in your shoes, I would be a fast food worker, I'd be a custodian, be a stripper if you have to. And that was just a little fun. Right. Nobody will know that, but anybody who was involved. Yeah. Um. But that that was fun. Uh. So again, thank you for giving me my first job. I have nothing but fond memories from it.
3: Absolutely. You know, Larry um, is such a fine actor. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And I knew yeah. that he could do that role justice. I've seen him do so many great things over the years. Mm-hmm. He is. Um. He's he's quite good, and he's a quite. It's quite a lovely person. So yes. it, it, yeah, he was the perfect Jerry for what we were doing at that time and I still think we are going to see more and more from Larry. He's another oh, one sure. that's going to age like a fine wine.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. You know? So uh so after after you left the show palace, did you directly um end up in Freefall after that or was it I did. It was not ago?
3: very long before they had heard that I had been um and, and then the whole the whole reason for the change at at, at Show Palace was you know a a new family was taking over the business and they wanted to go in a different direction and i didn't uh there was a part of me when it happened that thought hmm i could have hard feelings about this and i just decided not to uh or at least i decided to only have them privately and not put them all over social media yeah um and i quickly got over it in a way that i um didn't think i i would i moved on from it fairly quickly and, uh, and they look at them. They're still going and they're doing great. Yep. But um, I, yeah, I went to uh, probably a month later and started working there. And I also got a, a new show. I opened a new show at Disney called The Royal Majesty Makers. All of that was happening at the same time. So I went from working at Show Palace for almost a decade
1: mm.
3: to freaking out like, oh gosh, am I ever going to work again? And, and almost immediately I had two things to now juggle that had me driving all over Florida. You know, I was driving from Spring Hill to St. Pete to St. Pete to Orlando and back. It was crazy.
2: So you Um, stayed living in in Spring Hill at the time then?
3: Well, I bought a house and I, and I, and that took me forever to, to get that house sold. Especially around that that time, the market was, it was rough. So it was a tough time to, to have a home like that. And the last thing I could do was move closer. And um, ultimately it all worked out as I knew Mm -hmm. it would but it took many years of trying to figure that out. Yes. If I could say I was bitter about anything, not having that job for as long as I did suddenly not having it put me in maybe a, a, a precarious financial situation, but right. that, such is life when, when major yeah. things happen.
2: You know. Yeah. And th- things always seem to, uh, to work themselves out.
3: They do. They do. The and if you, can, if you can keep your mind on that, mm. you will, you, I think you can thrive. In, no yep. matter the situation, just knowing that yep. almost everything uh, aside from death and taxes has an ultimate uh, or you know, yep. a way to work it out.
2: So. I, I've definitely realized over the years, like uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty open about it. Uh, I, I have uh, diagnosed with depression and stuff like that. Right. So I, I go to therapy and uh, <clears throat> my therapist had said something um, th- similar to what you just said that, that stuck out to me and is something I wake up with trying to remember um, is that. <clears throat> It's easy to find the negative in Absolutely. a lot of situations, but find the positive. Absolutely. And, 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 and when you find that positive and, and focus in on the positive, um, then and, and you just kind of notice your life beginning to change. Um, and, and and it's just so important to think of that.
3: Well, but, you know, if you think about the show palace, in a way, you're, you're, you're a young actor, you're like myself, and you, and you have these dreams for what you want to do. And the last thing you thought you'd ever do would be running a dinner theater in Hudson, mm. Florida, and sort of a part of Florida, yeah. I mean, that nobody knows really well. And, right. and uh, but I seized that opportunity to learn as much mm. as I could to, right. to help create that kind of experience, to help create for others their mm. experience, and to also make it be the best it could possibly be, yeah. to not let geography and history and, uh, and location—you know—in any of that, yeah. t- you know, kind of uh, paint the way I felt about what I was doing. I wanted yeah. it to be great. And I think yes. that's kind of how you have to be.
2: Yeah, so how your, has how's your experience been um, at Freefall?
3: Freefall's been great. It was a very different role for mm-hmm. me. I had been the artistic director of Show Palace and I had been mainly directing and casting and doing all that stuff. I was kind of happy not to have to do that. That's all very stressful. Um, And there was a big part of what I did at Show Palace that was audience development, where I sort of worked hard to make sure more people came to Show Palace Mm -hmm. by what I was doing. And I would go to different events and talk. I would go to uh, retirement communities, retirement homes. I would go and sell Show Palace to the people and um, free fall had just started, and I think they needed someone to to play that type of role. And and I was challenged by the by the idea of doing it, and also really excited about the opportunity.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. So you 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 do so much for the community. Like obviously, you're a community outreach director and right? uh, for free fall. But aside from that, you do a lot of charitable things. Yeah, um, I, I, I think specifically uh, 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 Golden Girls. Yeah, Golden Girls Live that you did at American stage, was it?
3: We did an American stage. So every year during Pride, uh, we, we would do. Um, there was a wonderful man named Gary Brule, who taught me a lot about generosity and, and being charitable. If you can't be charitable with your money, be charitable with your time. Right. And he always instilled in me the idea, he's passed away recently, bless him, but he always instilled in me the idea that if you have talent, um, you shouldn't give it all away for free. You know, I would mm-hmm. always say, this yeah. would be great experience for you. Well, that doesn't pay exposure. Exposure doesn't always pay the bills. But if you right. have the time yeah. and you have a worthy cause, it's not a bad thing to do. So every year we put on a parody of a television show or a movie, and we've done so many ridiculous yeah things mm-hmm. but we did golden girls live to raise money for metro wellness or metro inclusive health which mm-hmm. is an lgbtq organization which provides health care um, they have um, wonderful programs for lgbtq youth especially trans youth who are in the midst of trying to figure so much out at a time when it's hard enough just to be a mm-hmm. teenager and um, they have all these wonderful programs for them and all this great education and it's not just for lgbtq people mm-hmm. there are many people who can seek and, and get great health care at metro mm-hmm. inclusive so it's a wonderful organization so we raised i think we raised about fourteen thousand dollars doing golden girls that's two amazing. nights for performances and that's not a terrible amount of time yes it took a long time to write it oh, and prepare yeah. it and get all the clothes and costumes but all the actors give of their time you, you have to read the script because you there's no time or money to rehearse. So you right. get together the night before for a couple mm-hmm. of hours, run through it, and then you do your yeah. performance holding the book. And it, the people love the, the yeah. hilarity and the freshness that can ensue from that kind of a situation. But um, I found that over the years, I've tried to do as much as I can for charities that I believe in, charities that uh, promote um LGBTQ wellness or, or visibility. Um, There was one program I worked on for years where people who, who were uh, being treated for HIV and AIDS were unable to pay for the medication. And many of them were having to choose to, to either have their life-saving meds or get rid of their pets. And so I did a whole initiative where we would pay vet bills and food bills so that these people could, have their pet i mean what a what an awful uh thought that somebody would have to come to that kind of decision and it happens to many people but Mm. if there's anything you can do to to make sure that doesn't happen i knew that that was something i wanted to do yeah mostly animal charities and and working to help the 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 lgbtq plus ia there's so many letters now community Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) and you know speaking speaking of pets I I remember when you got Brian, such a beautiful, uh, amazing.
3: Gosh, Brian, how old was Brian during that? Uh, He was still a baby, right? Yeah, I think you got
2: him during the run. I did. Around that time, maybe.
3: I think just during the run, yeah, because I think right after Full Monty was maybe Kiss Me Kate. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, Brian uh, is a Westie, a West Highland White Terrier. He's 12 years old, and he's still doing great. He's running around here somewhere. Mostly Mm -hmm. now, Brian, because he's an older man. At uh-huh. about 8.30, he'll jump off the couch where he's been all day and he'll mm. walk to the bedroom and you'll need to put him on the bed and it doesn't matter what you're doing the rest of the night. Brian has gone to bed.
2: Oh, he's tired. Oh, yeah. I used to love seeing him run around the theater and yeah. uh, he's just he's an adorable dog. He's had an this adorable.
3: remarkable little career, too. He's been in yeah. plays as well and he's been backstage and he's, he's a theater dog. He knows to be quiet during rehearsals. Mm-hmm. He knows when it's ten when they say take ten. He knows that he can go out, so he gets up like because it's time for him to take a pee break. And if he's in a show, he'll be quiet the entire show. And then when he hears the applause at the end, he'll start circling and barking because he knows it's time he can go home.
2: That's amazing. I always yeah. I remember always thinking I don't know if he ever did it, but I always wanted to see him in Legally Blonde. I you know uh, he he it? went
3: on he went on in Legally Blonde because you know he's oh, a, he? a okay. Westie, so yeah. he isn't the right Right. dog for it but the one night i i was doing the show as callahan and uh, the bulldog was not feeling well and they were worried about how to do it because he was like getting Mm. sick and um brian went on uh and they they still kept up all the pictures of the bulldog and everything but brian was on brian's been in a couple different things including recently being in pippin at free fall where he was super well received in that so yeah what a great life. I know he's getting older and I get so worried about that, but, um, he, he's, he's well taken care of and he's yeah. having a heck of a time. So I, I think, um, I, I'm excited to have, uh, yeah. more and more years with this little fun little, uh, little character. He's really not a dog to me. He's like my son, you know, it's so exactly.
2: And I, that's what I was going to say is like, you know, your pets become your best friends, your families, your kids. Sure. And, uh, I'm sure seeing seeing Brian in some shows is is like that moment of seeing a loved one do so well in something. You know what I mean?
0: Oh,
3: absolutely! And you know, the only thing that was really poignant for me this go round was this was the first time where I felt like he was like, you know, I'd rather be at home and not have to go to the theater every day. And Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, sometimes he didn't want to be on. You know, and I thought, ah, he's 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 getting to where he wants to retire, and I totally totally understand.
2: So you, uh, we're talking about what you do for the community. Um, was it probably less than less than a year ago? Maybe a year ago, you did um, the drag queen story hour in awareness. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you posting about about you know leading up to it, and I was like, oh, that's exciting! It's beautiful. Um, but you were met with some protesters.
3: Yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit, sorry. and I. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, no. I was just going to ask you uh, what happened. Like, you know, you you learned so much from Facebook, but.
3: Yeah, um, it it was pretty jarring to me. In fact, right before the coronavirus hit, I had been really thinking about taking a break from all the drag and all the extra Mm. performing aside from like, you know, the things I do in the theater and the things I do for free fall be because of that experience and also because i'm getting older and it's just a lot of a, a yeah. lot of irons in the fire um but now i'm looking at it going i didn't want this long of a break you know but yeah, um
1: right.
3: yeah. um yeah i i went into it really not expecting i thought there would be protesters outside and i was prepared for that mm-hmm. um my style of drag it, is not very um maybe not the right word but it's not a sexy drag. I don't mm-hmm. um I don't try to look um I don't try to look like someone that you're like, that's a man. I, I know that I'm a man in mm-hmm. a dress, so it's very Bianca Del Rio, it's very Ben de la Creme. It, mm-hmm. It's not um it's comedy drag, clown drag. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, I may not get met with too much at all because this is kind of like Dame Edna or something. And yeah. you could totally see kids being read a story by Dame Edna and not have a mm. problem. Well, it all went well. The families were wonderful. And right as I began to do it, and I didn't even realize this because when I went in early, I kind of met a few of the early uh, kids who got in there early and we mm. colored. And I I have these stickers that I sell. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's a Miss McGee, yeah. a Matthew McGee sticker. And Mm -hmm. so I was handing them out to the kids because they love that kind of stuff. And I thought it was a great time to meet them. And there was a woman there that I thought may have been a mom or something, a couple of women, I thought maybe moms or grandmas. And they were following me around taking pictures. And I thought nothing of it because I thought, oh, this is family members. And of course, the people who are protesting, they have every right to do that outside, in front. I mean, my personal feeling on it is Drag Queen Story Hour is not that big of a deal. It's not going to mess kids up at all. And I think the truth is they scare the children more than a drag queen could, uh, as their fear is Absolutely. that a drag queen will somehow corrupt their child. But I think getting mm-hmm. out there and screaming nasty things uh, in the name of Christianity does more to frighten and scar a child than a man Absolutely. dressed in, uh, in that. And I don't even just mean a man dressed as a woman. There are many yeah. transgender performers mm-hmm. who do this as well. and They are women. Yeah who also do drag. So, which I know that's a whole other show we could do about how all the differences with that. (laughs) But as soon as I I picked out three great stories, and as soon as I started doing, I started getting shouted down by two women. Um, They were filming, screaming at me, scaring the kids, filibustering me. I couldn't get things out. I held my ground. I I made a decision, LJ, that I Mm -hmm that whatever I was met with, I would not respond in kind because Mm -hmm. they wanted me to get pissed. And they wanted, I'm I'm sure I can say whatever I want on this, but they wanted me to get angry and fight back Mm -hmm. and say something they could film or or behave in a way, cuss them out or something. They could film it and then they would cut that together and go, look at this horrible drag performer in their filthy mouth. I knew Mm -hmm. that was part of what they do. Right. it was unpleasant to say the least. I got through it, yeah. but she shouted and shouted. And I had a dear friend who was there and she was in tears because she, like me, just didn't expect it. I mm. did not get emotional there. I got emotional way after the fact, but
1: sure,
3: yeah. I thought it would end there. And they yeah. followed me to my car. They stood yeah. behind my car. They shouted at me through the, the my window of my car. So from the whole experience, getting there, doing it, I have to say that I got so much support from the parents and the kids, but it was not a a pleasant experience for me at all. In fact, it goes down in history as the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I have some thoughts on that uh, a little bit, but Mm -hmm. I put myself in the position. I truly didn't believe that it would be a problem. And that shows my naivete because
2: obviously shouldn't have been a problem.
3: Right. And now what happened after that was I began to see, because I don't use a drag name very often. I use my name. They found me on social media. They started hounding me on social media. They started tagging me in these very derogatory. they, They would take a picture of me in drag and like superimpose a filter on it that made it look like a negative. So I suddenly looked like dark and, um, you know, where they make it look like a black and white. It was so uh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I found a lady on Twitter and she is a professional protester. She goes from town to town protesting uh, Drag Queen Story Hour and she makes money off of it. And I think she's, what a, a, life. She, and she's a total phony and yeah. a performer. And um, this is what she does. And unfortunately, um, my feeling on it is if any of them are doing it, because they think it's something that God would want them to do, yeah. um, I think they're turning more people off to Christianity uh, than 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 I am dressing in drag. To be totally honest, yeah,
2: no, for, for sure. And we can. I mean, I mean, you you know, I grew up in a Christian school, and yeah, I, when I, doing the full money, I ended up having to leave the Christian school and go to a different school because they didn't want yeah. me to do a yeah. show such as um, yeah. And and to this day, I'm still I'm still a Christian. However, yeah. I think Christians get it all wrong. They do. I think I think I've I have a, I, I, I'll, I've known him for a while. He's a friend of mine, and he he enjoys protesting. Um, I definitely distanced myself from him. I call sure. him out on his protesting. He 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 uh, posted a video. He was protesting um, an abortion clinic, yeah. and uh, and it's just I just told him how disgusting. He, yeah. Especially you know you. you these women, you don't know, they, 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 God forbid, could have been raped. Oh, uh, sure, sure. What, what's going on, and you're going to sit there, and you're going to scream at them and shout at them, and, and well, it's just, it's, it's a shame.
3: The important thing to remember, and this is what buoyed me through it, because I really found myself at a crossroads, because I had, I, I'm going to be honest, I guess I wasn't prepared for that, LJ, because I have never experienced... I've always said that in a way I'm like the Ellen DeGeneres of drag, that my drag Mm -hmm. is very mainstream. Mm -hmm. Most, if everyone really enjoys it, the best thing to take with you is that these protesters are very small percentage of Christians. Mm -hmm. There's many people on my page were saying, oh, these horrible Trump supporters. Truth is, I know a lot of Trump supporters who aren't anti-gay. And so I think lumping everybody into that category is, the wrong thing to do Mm is it's as divisive as shouting these things at other people know that they are very much a minority. They're just very vocal.
1: Yes. Yeah.
3: But they are not what most Christians feel. It's not what most, and I hate to even say that Trump supporters, because I think Trump supporters in general are very unlikely to be a part of something like that.
1: Mm. It's a very, it's
3: very much a fringe. And they're mm. loud and they get off on doing this. But yeah, it was tough for me, LJ, but I, I see yeah. it as a, a character building mm. moment in my life where I finally learned that not everybody mm. um, is going to love you and that's okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I, I, I was curious in, in that situation, what it was supposed to be uh, an amazing experience for, for the kids met with negativity by the, by the protesters. Um, how how did you uh, maintain a positive experience for the kids? I'm sure that scared them. And, and, I'm, and I know you, so I know you were focused on the kids in the moment. Um, yeah, you know,
3: I focused on the performance. I yeah. knew that I had to give a performance and it's just mm-hmm. like being sort of heckled on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people said, we couldn't even tell anything was going on. I said, good, that's exactly what I want yeah. to hear. And that was good. But no, yeah, I didn't, I, I knew I couldn't, fight back in a way and i knew that that would be that would be just what they wanted from yep. me so um i hung back a little bit and uh and uh just got through it like getting mm-hmm. through a performance if the crowd is bad which happens
2: yes you know? oh yeah uh, well you handled it well and, and you certainly handled it correctly because i it's, i'm still just so horrified that you even had to go through something like that. So I'm sorry you had to go through something. Oh, like
3: that. listen, wow. thank you. That's very sweet. And you know, the truth is, um, it happens and I try, mm. I try really hard to, um, not let it uh get me down yeah. too much, you know, but.
2: So with, uh, these unprecedented times we're in with coronavirus COVID-19, um, how, how has it affected, uh, theater in your eyes? How has it affected free fall? Um, and, and also, uh, what I imagine can only be defined as electrifying, what will that first night back be
3: oh sure what great what a great question you know what's really what's really crazy is in your lifetime right you mm-hmm. you yours especially growing up, you've grown up with September eleventh and the great Recession and all this stuff you know
1: yeah
3: um you've seen your fair share of um mm-hmm. catastrophes <laughs> yeah. Most of those are regional problems. You know, when mm. you get a hurricane in Florida, it really affects that area that it hits the hardest right. for a certain amount of time, but there's an end to it. And maybe those theaters that got hit hard, they closed for a period of time, yeah. but it never looked like they would have to close for an indefinite
1: period of time. Right.
3: Yeah. Or if it's a theater company and it experiences that your donors and, and people who give from other areas, they will say, Oh, we'll do everything we can to make sure that that yeah. theater survives. Well, if everyone is hit by this, then what do you do? You know, right. suddenly there is no, like, there's no theater happening anywhere. Yeah. And all the people that you may have relied on for donations and stuff, they're being hit hard economically too.
1: Right.
3: So what happened, my experience, I had been, I had been aware of coronavirus because at that time I was, I've always been a bit of a media junkie. Now that's changed recently and I can... Mm-hmm to that a little bit too i don't watch it much anymore because um it's not helpful but um but i knew coronavirus was something that we might need to worry about i didn't know the degree to what it would be Mm -hmm. i was working on an original play by a dear friend of mine a st petersburg writer uh, named natalie simons it's called the people downstairs you know i had talked to you about all the drag i've done this was a male role this was a male role no Mm. drag He was the romantic lead in a very comical way. And I was looking forward to audiences seeing a different thing for me to do. Very funny, but extremely poignant. Mm -hmm. And um, that week we were also at Freefall. So I was at American Stage Performing and at Freefall Working Administration. Mm -hmm. Those are two theaters within the same city, really only miles apart. Mm-hmm. And dealing with the administrative side of, of, you know, our artistic director, myself going well, and, and others on the staff going, well, if we get told we can't have 50 or more people, we're going to have to shut down the run of this current player, we're going to lose two yeah. weeks of the run. Yeah. At American Stage, we did two previews, sold out previews, and then we were brought in for rehearsal at 4.30 on opening night, and they said, we are not, um, we're not continuing the show. All gotcha. that work, All yeah. that work. And I was not as hard as sad for myself as I was for the playwright who'd been working on this for years. I had, I had done some workshops of it. This was such an amazing opportunity. Now apparently it's coming back in September to American stage. So that's great. But at the time I thought, Whoa. So that was a Friday. That was Friday, March 13th, that closed. And then two days later the CDC said no, no groups of 50 or over. And all of a sudden this hit comedy at Freefall called Lone Star Spirits closed. Now, American Stage graciously paid the actors out for their whole contracts. And Freefall did the same, finished up the contracts and paid the actors for those two weeks.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, And then both theater companies had to cancel shows. Um, Unprecedented that all theaters were doing that, right?
1: Including Broadway.
3: Including Broadway everything got yeah. shut down. So that's really scary. Mm-hmm. I think, um, oh, yeah. I, I think, it, and especially at that time, this, mm-hmm. you know what I was saying the other day? Oh, it's May already, March and April. What a weird couple of years we had. Um, Cause that's what it felt like. <laughs> yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Absolutely.
1: Um,
3: now what's great is, is that free fall, we have a small staff. We don't have a mm-hmm. lot of people and there were enough, you know, there was enough we were getting enough of a revenue stream to keep a large por- part of our staff working because there were still mm-hmm. stuff to do. Like okay. even today, I'm still working on interviews and, and things that, you know, gearing up for what's coming. we have a season announcement. We have mm-hmm. a um, COVID-19 giving challenge where some of our donors have graciously said, we'll match your donations dollar for dollar. So a person can give $25 and it'll be $50 so It doubles, you know, a person's, giving, that's, which is just
1: amazing.
3: amazing. Yeah. Um, so a lot of that's really great. But I feel really terrible for act, people who are primarily actors. Think about this, yeah. LJ, the people mm-hmm. that are primarily actors who also wait tables as a side job. I mean, I'm just giving you a thought there. I mean, yeah. now restaurants did not even open. So it's well, a even really... Show Palace,
2: the actors yeah. wait tables.
3: It's, so. it's, a, it's crazy. Now, yeah. I do see a lot at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. I do see that the social distancing worked and let me Mm -hmm. explain to you why I stopped watching the news. Uh, I won't speak to what it is politically, but I think there's Mm -hmm. a little bit of a narrative there combined with people, maybe not having as much, uh, what's the best way to put this, uh, people not feeling as comfortable with the, with what the government was doing that all combined together to create a real sense of hysteria and fear. And when mm-hmm. people are afraid, it, it closes everything down. Yeah. I'm not one of those people though, who thinks being afraid of it is wrong. I think it's serious. I don't yeah. know. I don't want anybody to get it. I've known a few mm-hmm. people who've gotten it and, and thankfully have gotten over it, yeah. but it's scary. Yeah. But I think we're seeing some of the rates go down and we're seeing mm-hmm. some very positive numbers. Yeah. And so I think we'll start getting back to theater at the end of summer, maybe fall, And I think the first, I think it's going to be slow going. I think the audiences won't be as big. I think you're going to see audiences with their mouths, their faces covered and sitting Mm. separately. But the idea that we can all get into a room together again and experience people telling a story right in front of us, I think this has only strengthened Mm -hmm what theater can bring. Look at it right now. You can watch movies all day at home. I mean, I know I've been doing that when mm-hmm. I have time off and you can stream theater and there's a lot of theater out there to stream, but it's not the same you as know. going. Yeah. And I think that how amazing it will be when people can see it again, mm-hmm. they will have a new appreciation for something they may have taken for granted and they'll yeah. be quite moved by this experience i also think lj that you'll see a lot more positive uplifting and funny programming from theaters it won't just be theater you know there's a place for theater that instructs you and teaches you and makes you think that's Mm -hmm. an important part of it but for a while post COVID, i think we're going to have some fun we're going to entertain people and we're going to tell them stories that make them feel happy and make yeah. them want to go out there and live life to the fullest. And I think that's going to be an unprecedented and exciting time to watch theater yeah. uh, grow and become more. Th- of, I'm sorry.
2: You know,
3: no, you're yeah. right. Though, what were you about to say? I mean, it, it'll be amazing.
2: You just made me think of when um, you're talking about uh, uh, about the type of production we'll be seeing. Yeah. You made me think of uh, Roger Debris and uh, and the song "Keep It Gay" and the producers. Yeah. Just talking about, uh, just keep it light, keep it, you know what I mean? Like, um, People, I'm excited for that.
3: What is it? People want laughter when they see a show. The mm-hmm. last thing they're after is a litany of woe. Yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah that's, and that's what it's going to be. And and I'm excited. And yeah. I, I think, I think the community, um, I've been seeing a lot more theater over the last couple of years of just being financially able to. Um, yeah and and you know I, I i got to see hamilton on the tour i got to see sound of music on the tour which um i don't know what order these episodes are coming out but i am uh interviewing um jill christine wiley who played maria in the oh, sound of wonderful. Music Tour. Wonderful. i'm excited for that because she was incredible um and, and and i got to see dear evan hansen have you seen it oh have it's you wonderful heard
3: it? wonderful, I, wonderful
2: that the, you know, I saw it at the stress, gigantic. So yeah. you're, 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 you're sitting there with strangers, you know, people you yeah. don't know, yeah. um, and you're all experiencing this, cause that's a heavy show. It's it funny, is, but, that's, but it's but heavy.
3: That's the magic of theater too. You know, that yeah. being there with one another and yeah. having, cause one thing about Dear Evan Hansen, I don't consider it maybe heavy or light. It is mm-hmm. a real story about yes. real people. Yes. And life is uh life is not always black and white it's all sorts of shades of gray. And right. I think that's what makes that show so special.
2: Yes and and I can't wait to get back to back to the theater and 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 honestly I you know I I love theater. I've done I I have only done one thing in theater since the Fulmani. I can't yeah. sing. I would love to sing. <laughs> I've taken lessons. You didn't
3: I, have to in that show.
2: No. No. And I I did um I did some charity with uh, Jimmy Ferraro.
3: Oh, Um, wonder, love Jimmy. I wouldn't be in Florida if it wasn't for Jimmy. Yeah.
2: He's told me that story. Um, Yeah. uh, He's, excuse me. He's an amazing man. He gave me the opportunity to, uh, to uh, do a uh, murder mystery uh, dinner theater uh, at, uh, at Spartan, Um, Spartan Manor here in Newport Ritchie. And uh, we were raising money for uh, the, the uh, golf high school um, to take their, their, I think it was a government class to the inauguration um, oh, of the last presidency. That's amazing. That so was, that was, it that was, it, it was and, and, and there was a script, of course, but we were there for like two and a half hours. So it was a lot of improv. There were breaks in the script. So we're going around and we're being our characters and, and it, it was just a lot of fun. And, and to see, I, if I remember correctly, I think there were, 25 kids who were able to go to Washington. It's not that great? Jimmy,
3: yeah. uh, Jimmy Ferraro has such a great knowledge of show business of yes. the, not only the history, but the mm-hmm. mechanics of it. And um, I, I, I went to an audition at like a, a unified professional theater audition and mm-hmm. Jimmy called me back for show palace and I would not, none of my life as it is now would have happened. So I always credit Jimmy with bringing me here because I, yeah feel in a strange way from trying to reconcile what you imagine when you're young and your dreams of being a performer. um, I feel I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. And that's a great, great feeling.
2: That's amazing. I I think, I think that's so interesting. Like, you know, you, you gave me my start uh, in my career and then and and you know just to, to have that that's an interesting dichotomy like that I have with you and that I also have with Jimmy who yeah. I just met through auditioning at uh, his theater um, yes. and uh, and you know I, I, I'm just extremely blessed to, to know you to know him. Um, so before we wrap it up, if there was any bit of advice that you could give a starving artist, uh, what would that be?
3: <clears throat> I think the best thing a person can do who really wants to make this a career is you really, there are two things. Number one, you have to deliver. And that could mean anything. You have to make sure you know every word before everyone else. (laughs) You need Mm -hmm. to make sure you're ready to go. You're on time. You're easy to work with. You give 110% out there on the stage. You don't have an off night, and that, that's not always possible not to have an off yeah. night, but you mm-hmm. should be able to find a place where you can work that the delivery of the show and the consistency of it is what you're known for, because you'll work over and over and over again. A lot of times if you bring your personal life into things, or you're having troubles, you may think you want to share it with everybody or share it with your coworkers or co-stars. They don't want to hear it. You've got to yeah. go in there and treat it like a job and a do doctor. it well. And mm-hmm. people will ask you to do it. The other thing is, the second thing, and you are a great example of this. If you feel like maybe you're not being seen for the things you want to be seen, if you feel like you're not getting the opportunities for the things you'd like to do, you create your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: When 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 Scott Daniel, who I do that show, Scott and Patty, the Scott and Patty mm-hmm. show with, um, he and I we were going through periods of where we work a lot and where we wouldn't. And we came up with the idea for a mother and son cabaret act where I play the mom and he plays my son. Mm-hmm. And that thing is still going strong. And time, yeah. it was a creation out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, but we knew we had more to say yeah. than we were being allowed to, or we were being given the opportunity to, mm-hmm. and we wanted to create. And we wanted to make money doing it and we wanted to entertain people. So we created our own projects.
2: And so at, many opportunities have come from that.
3: Absolutely. And at first you'll think it's impossible. Who will ever want to see me, but you can't have that attitude. You get out there, you polish it, you perfect it, you make sure it's cool and interesting and original. Mm. And you put a lot of thought into it and you treat that like a job too. um, I think you can achieve a level of success that you may not be wealthy or you may not be internationally known or mm-hmm. mega famous, but you will stay busy and you'll be yep. able to make a life and, and make an income. And that's super important.
2: Absolutely. Well, Matt, thank you so much uh, for hopping on the podcast. Um, I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have you on. I mean, we've oh, been talking absolutely. about it for months now. Um, absolutely. You were doing, um, I you were doing. I think I was in Gameville. Yeah, I was in
3: Gainesville doing a show called Scrooge and Rouge and I played the soprano, Lottie Obligato, a very large large woman. It was super funny. Mm-hmm. I have to tell you LJ, I think your dad would be super proud of of the man you are because Thank you. I think not only are you a a person who you have this family and you're and you're doing everything you can to take care mm-hmm. of your family and 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 you also Uh, have never uh, not tried to pursue your dreams. Um, And I think that, you know, your dad would be really proud of that. And I am too.
2: Thank you. Uh, That means a lot to me. Thank you so much. Um, This has been another episode of Starving Artist. And uh, Matt, thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank Thank you for being a part of my life.
3: Oh, absolutely. Do I look like a starving artist though? Look at this. You look I do, wonderful. I do this every day and look how thin my fingers are.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. There you go. That's perfect.
3: Thank right. you so much, LJ.
2: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
3: You too. We'll see you soon. You.
2: Yeah, absolutely.